again, we've got to look at what it is they're having trouble with, and we need to ask them the question, do you understand what is being asked of you? We are super great as parents asking our kids, what do you need to do? And our kids are pretty super great about reciting a list, but we don't ask the follow-up questions of, do you understand what it is? And that goes back to the skill. It's all well and good that your child knows that they have a test to study for, but do they understand how to study? Do they understand what they need to study? And if you're getting those blank glazed over stairs, well, guess what? You cracked the code. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Well, hi, everyone, and hello, future-focused parents. Thank you so much for being with us today for another episode of Raising Adults. We have an awesome topic today, and we are going to dive in in just a second. But before we do, Dina, how's life in the coat closet? You know, it's real cozy under here. I'm going to say I'm going to be pretty excited when spring rolls around. So we're at mid-February here, and I've come to be acutely aware of the lack of heat in this closet. So (laughs) I'm a wee bit chilly, but otherwise perfectly ready to go. You can't win. It's like you're either too hot in my laundry room or too cold in the coat closet. Oh, trust me. I'm so excited to be back in the hot laundry room someday. Um, I really, I really do miss it. So this is making me appreciate that heat all the more when I'm getting, when I get to go back to it. So I know you're right. We're so close. My dad is midway through his vaccinations right now. And so it's like, oh my gosh, it's coming. I feel like maybe, maybe it's coming. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll we, be together again. We might. We really might. I love it. Well, before we get going today, we do want to give a shout out to our newest member of the FFP family, Bethany. Thank you for becoming a member. We are so excited to have you. Welcome, Bethany. Welcome, Bethany. So today on the show, we're going to talk about such an important thing. We're going to talk about kids and procrastination. And I feel like no matter what kind of kid you have, every parent has dealt with this. And some of us deal with it ourselves. Right? (laughs) So I'm super excited to get to speak with our expert today. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. But Leslie, do you want to just say hi? Because I know you're there waiting. I am here waiting. Thank you, ladies, for having me today. I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we are too. All right. Well, let me read you this impressive bio and then and then we'll dive in. So Leslie Josell is an ADHD student and parenting coach, an award-winning entrepreneur having founded Order Out of Chaos, which is an organization whose mission is to help parents guide their children to success in learning and in life. Yes, please. She's also an award-winning author, creator of the award-winning Academic Planner, A Tool for Time Management and an internationally acclaimed speaker. Leslie has been named as one of the top time management experts in the world by global gurus four years in a row, and she continues to learn from her audiences, sharing her observations with readers of Attitude Magazine in her weekly column, Dear ADHD Family Coach. 
Leslie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm always honored when someone wants to hear me speak. <laughs> oh, well, we do. And our parents do too. Our, definitely our listeners, I think, are going to get a lot out of this. So we always start with our why when we talk about a topic. So when we have a guest, we like to start by having them share their why. So if you just want to like tell everybody a little bit more about you and share the why behind the work you do, sure. we would really love that. My why is so easy because it is my my life's mission. Um, I started my company, Order Out of Chaos, 17 years ago when my child, Eli, my son, who was five at the time, was diagnosed with ADHD, executive dysfunction, and a whole host of learning issues. And like any parent, I was looking for ways to untangle his world, both at home and at school. And I'm old, ladies, so you have to go back 17 years and realize that podcasts didn't exist. Even websites didn't exist, right? There were no conferences and telesummits or anything of that nature. So I really had to rely on my gut instinct to figure out ways to help him. And if you want to hear my the long version of the story, please go to the website. It's all there for the, for the reading. But the Reader's Digest version is that people, my friends, saw what I did in my own home to help my son and said, wait, this is amazing. Can you come do this for me? And my house, I have an ADHD kid. And... 17 years later, I am an academic life coach for teens and college students with ADHD. Our company is virtual, global, um, and as you heard, as you said, our mission is to help parents, help their students um, in learning and in life. And I know that back then, I was craving community and craving education and craving just people that understood what I was going through. So to be able to marry my professional and personal thing, put it together and create this space for people and parents to come and learn with us and, and help their students because I dealt with it. I, I don't know if there's any greater why. I don't know that there is, especially when it stems from your own experience as a parent of a son with those challenges. What a natural, organic way to this work. So if we were to start at the beginning, I know some of us adults even maybe struggle with feeling like we put things off or at least put off the things we're not as excited about. But you really say that that kids do this in a different way. Not only does it look different when kids procrastinate, they do it for different reasons. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I've been studying procrastination for, I think, as long as I've been an academic life coach, because as you probably know, as parenting experts yourself, that is probably the number one thing that parents come to us and say about their child. My child procrastinates. And it looks different because number one, and this is, I think, really important for parents to know, children don't have the control over their environment, over their to-dos, over their time. Um, that adults do. So think about it. A lot of what they're asked to do does not come from their own selves. So they not only are on someone else's schedule or someone else's you know time or someone else's like to do's, but a lot of what is also different for, for children is their procrastination is very skill-based or lack of it. I'm, I'm here to tell you that your child doesn't wake up in the morning most kids don't to say, I really don't, you know, I just want to like make my parents angry today. A lot of why your child doesn't do something is because they don't know how. So that's a huge one. And that's a very big aha moment for a lot of parents. If your child doesn't know how to study, they're not going to do it. 
if your child is time blind and doesn't know where they sit in time or how long something takes them or how much time they have left, it's gonna look like procrastination. If they don't have the organizing gene and are spending hours trying to find something that you think they should know they have, that's gonna look like procrastination. So I can go on and on, but it's if we really kind of strip back and take back that curtain, a lot of what we're seeing is skill or non-skill based procrastination. Your child really doesn't understand a lot of what they're being asked to do, possibly in the time frame or in the manner that they're being asked to do it. That's really interesting because it sounds like it's not just about they don't understand how to do the thing, but they don't necessarily how to do the thing within the context exactly. of the time allotted or how to link that to I need to get out the door and go to school or whatever it is that that's a the time piece is a whole other element that I just would have never considered. That's really interesting. Time. I mean, I know we want to talk procrastination, but I, I there is no way to talk procrastination without talking about time. So. I always say this, this is my party line. If your child doesn't know where they sit in time, right? If they don't know how long something takes or how long something has gone by or where they are in relation to the rest of their day, it's the equivalent of like being on a ship in the middle of the sea, completely unmoored. They don't see horizon. They need something to tether themselves. So I'm going to give you guys a quick tip right away, something that your parents can implement immediately that is very low cost to you. So it doesn't matter if you have an eight-year-old at home or an 18-year-old, but every house, no matter what age your child is, needs to have good old-fashioned analog clocks in every room that your child spends time in, especially the bathroom, particularly the bathroom. <laughs> and if you have a teen at home, you need two. You need one in the shower and one by the sink. You know, that's where they're hanging out. Um, <laughs> it's true. I'm I sorry. I, I'm a New Yorker. I'm going to tell it like it is. But think about it. I love it. It's true, though. If your child needs to see the sweep of time and digital doesn't cut it, digital gives you one time, the present. But time is three-dimensional. It's so fascinating to me, time, because time is invisible to most, yet it's omnipresent. It's everywhere, right? We're always arguing about it. We're always talking about it. We're always complaining about it. but if your child doesn't see time, then they can't be expected to manage it. Hmm. Wow. I love that. Okay. So if I feel like my kiddos are procrastinating and maybe I don't even understand that nuance beyond this brilliant idea of putting putting time everywhere, <laughs> like literally <laughs> surrounding them with time, what else can parents do to support their children if they feel like this is really becoming an issue? So before I even do that, I, I would love to, if you guys are okay with this, is give you my definition of procrastination, because I think it's super important for parents to also realize that procrastination isn't black or white. There's a lot of gray. Just because your child puts something off or does something later or doesn't do it in the time frame you think they should be doing it in, that doesn't necessarily mean they're procrastinating. To truly procrastinate means there needs to be a negative consequence on the other side. And I think that's just a really important distinction to make. So even as adults, if you had said, you know, this Saturday, I really want to clean out my garage. And then um, that's my plan. And then Saturday rolls around and the weather is beautiful. And you decide instead to take, you know, a bike ride, right? Are you procrastinating because you didn't clean out your garage? Not really, because maybe there was no consequence on the other side if you don't do it. 
So that's the same holds true for students or children. Just because they don't do something right away or in the time frame we think doesn't necessarily mean they're procrastinating. There has to be a consequence. So and consequences, for whatever reason, are highly motivating. We know that for kids. So I just wanted to realize, because I think that is just super important to kind of define what we're talking about here so that parents have something to like, a mindset to wrap around it. So to answer your question, what else they can do? particularly now, again, especially now when kids might be virtual learning or, you know, hybrid learning, one of our biggest, biggest, biggest like ways to motivate someone is to have them move. Movement helps us not only lay down learning, and I can explain what that means in a minute, but it helps us to activate and engage, right? So, it's kind of like what I like to say, it helps lighten the load. So remember like that sneaky chef who used to stuff zucchini in the brownies, like you kind of knew it was there, but you didn't really know it was there. So you were more apt to do it. It's the same thing with movement. When your child is moving around the house to do their homework or to study and they're moving their whole self, they're not as tired. They're not as like, oh God, I'm sitting here and I feel all that load on me. Movement helps to lighten it up. It helps us to like be engaged without feeling the full negative effects of being engaged. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. So what does that look like? Give me an example of okay. you know, my kid my kids, for example, my kids love to put off doing their math homework. Love it. So here's what I tell you to do. You're gonna play hide the homework. So you're gonna take your your let's just use one of your children. You're gonna take their work for the day. And you're going to hide it around your house. So let's say you'll put math in the bathtub. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, math in the bath. It's a yeah. rhyme. Math in the bath. I am the bathtub girl. No water. But here's what you have to know. <laughs> you want to make it energizing. You want to make it fun. You want to make it game-like. So math can go in the bathtub. Science can go on top of the toilet. You were telling me you're hanging in the coat closet. Stick science in the coat closet if there's light in there. Under the kitchen table. In the pantry closet. Wherever they find it is where they do it. See the difference? Your child's mm-hmm. not sitting in one place doing all their work at the same time. You know, put a fork in them. They're done. It's not going to happen. It's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. But now you've put an element of fun. You've put movement in there. So their brain is active and engaged. And they're doing things that are a little like fun and, and kooky. Like, hey, I'm sitting in the bathtub doing science. Like, this is kind of fun. This is kind of cool. Where am I going next? I'm trying to envision. I'm envisioning this. So is it like, okay, go find your math homework? Or is it like they kind of are just free to roam the house and when they stumble on the, the math in the bath, they hop in the tub yeah. and do their, their homework? Yeah. It could be, again, I'm not a, like, again, we're trying to soften the rules here. So you, you will know what your child needs. If your child needs a little more structure, it can be, okay, I've hidden your math homework, go find it. And then once math is done, you can say, okay, if, you're, if your child's a little more motivated, you can hide it and let them go around the house. Why I actually like doing it all at once, and this is research proven, is we know that when we switch subjects, we stay on course more than if we do one subject at a time. It's like the law of diminishing returns. If we're sitting and doing math homework for, let's say, 40 minutes, your child's brain after 20 minutes might start to like lose interest, right? Brain fade. So 
if I decide I'm doing math for 20 minutes and I'm, my brain is fading, I can get up and go find my science homework. That doesn't mean I don't go back to my math homework. It just means that switching subjects helps my brain stay activated, focused, and engaged. And it gets rid of that procrastination, you know, pull. Wow, that's fantastic. I love that. I'm never going to get over math in the bath. Like <laughs> this, is, this is my favorite rhyme of the day. And 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 then seriously, just being a word nerd, I I I love it so much. And and actually the next thing I'm going to ask you about is a really a bomb, but we have to take a quick break, but this is this one kind of blew my mind. So, uh we'll be back in a moment to hear another amazing tidbit. Hey, FFPs. You know, Dina and I have spent the past few years creating this podcast, and it's become very successful thanks to you amazing listeners and thanks to what we have learned along the way. And it really started with us saying, let's do a podcast. That'll be easy. (laughs) And then we laugh because it has not been easy. But what has come out of that is we are now helping other people start their podcasts. So if you have an idea that you have been just chewing on and thinking, wow, I think I want to start a podcast and you're not quite sure where to start. Guess what? We actually have a pre-recorded webinar just for you. And it's all about how to start a successful podcast. We're going to talk about everything you need to know from how to record, how to edit, how to distribute, how to run social media, all the little things you need to know to help your show be a success. It really is an amazing jumping off point. So if you're interested and you'd like to learn more, go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com, click on digital resources, and it's right down at the bottom, how to start a successful podcast. We really hope you'll join us. All right. So this next thing, I'm going to admit it kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, what when I read this? So Leslie, you say that procrastinating doesn't necessarily make you a procrastinator and that that's especially true for kids. So what in the world does that mean? So you know that I am an ADHD student coach. That's what I do. And I'm just going to use that as an example. So a lot of the push and pull that I get, you know, we have parents who come to us, we have students who come to us who we, we talk to and, you know, and help and guide and coach. Sometimes, and I'm not disparaging parents, I'm a parent too, we're all parents, and in our own brains, we have a certain time clock, you might say, of how things should be done. So for some of our children, starting our papers two weeks ahead of time doesn't work for them. You know, I want to go back to that example of being in the middle of the ocean and not seeing a horizon. For some of our students, seeing the deadline closer, right? It it again, it gives that adrenaline rush. They see it in front of them. I have to get down to business. And for a lot of them, three days ahead of time, they actually do their best work. I own one of those kids. Okay. My son was that kid. My my son was would look at me funny if I said, You have a paper due in two weeks? Like Let's plan it out. Let's plot it out. You need to start, right? It doesn't work. So just because your child is putting something off and doing it on their time or their clock and calendar, I like to say, doesn't mean they're procrastinating. I just really need parents to hear that because that's the push and pull that I get all the time. The other thing is I guarantee that there are things that your child does that he doesn't or she doesn't procrastinate on. I speak to students all day long, and they are highly motivated to maybe for their job or motivated to like work out and and stay healthy. So does that make them a procrastinator? No. Again, we've got to look at what it is they're having trouble with, and we need to ask them the question, 
do you understand what is being asked of you? We are super great as parents asking our kids, what do you need to do? And our kids are pretty super great about reciting a list, but we don't ask the follow-up questions of, do you understand what it is? And that goes back to the skill. It's, it's all well and good that your child knows that they have a test to study for, but do they understand how to study? Do they understand what they need to study? And if you're getting those blank glazed over stairs, well, guess what? You cracked the code. Wow. I love that. Okay. So Leslie, if you could share like one or two awesome tips beyond what you've already shared of like put clocks everywhere, move and do math in the bath. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish we could name this episode math in the bath. Like that is just so fabulous. Um, What else would you suggest for parents that maybe are really struggling or really concerned? What other like hot tips do you have for them? I have a few quick tips so that parents can easily take them away. But this one is for parents to definitely mention to their student. One of our most like helpful tools is music. And what I'm bringing you today is the things that are the conflicts, like when parents come to us and say like, isn't music distracting, but my student says they need it. So I want to like bring all of these like conversations that we're having at Order Out of Chaos to light, because I'm thinking if we're having them, you're having them, like your listeners are having them. Music, if your child needs music, you really need to let them listen to it. Music helps us to activate. It helps us to plan. It helps us to initiate. What is distracting about music is what I call like the Spotify switch up. It's the constant like, oh, I want to listen to this song or, oh, I want to listen to that song. That I don't like. So I always recommend to my students, my children, and my parents is to make playlists, make homework slash study playlists. And what's great about a playlist is so many things. Number one, when your child hears their music, it will send a signal, this is what I should be doing now. Because let's face it, right now, especially now, relying on our internal motivation to do everything we need to do is just not sustainable. It's not happening. And it's not happening for my adults, certainly not happening for my, for my, you know, for my kids. So we want to look for anything externally that's going to help us motivate music does that i don't know about you ladies but i'm a disco girl i hear my disco workout right give me all the donna summer but it's highly engaging and motivating it's the same thing for your child when they hear their music they're going to get down to business the other thing is if you have young children at home and they're learning at home and you've got let's say three kids around the table and you want them all to be having like study time or quiet time, you can have a house playlist, be a house DJ, put on that music, and it's going to send a signal to your kids. It's time to get into deep flow and, you know, get our learning on. If you have older students, the playlist can be by subject. I work primarily with college students. So, and this can be great for high school too, or middle school. I guess it really doesn't matter, but I know we love talking about math, but math sometimes needs more energizing music or maybe English or history need something quieter. So I always say, you know, make about a 40 minute playlist. And the other thing it does is it acts as that timekeeper. Remember what I said about knowing where you sit in time? If your child is listening to the same music, what starts to happen is they say to themselves, huh, I just heard the Avet Brothers. I'm about 20 minutes in. Um, Oh, that's Dawes. I must be in the home stretch. It allows 
your child to know where they sit in time. And that is, I can't even, we could do a whole podcast on that. It is so motivating if your child can see what I call done. They need to see the end. It might not be the end of their homework, but it's the end of that like time period. Music is amazing if it's done right. It is so important. I think even for me as an adult, it's so important for me to see the finish line of whatever it is and just how motivating that is to know, okay. And and you're right. Even if they aren't maybe entirely done with the assignment, still that chunk of time is done. It's, and there's something really powerful about that. It is so powerful. We have, a, we have a saying here that we have our children working time over task, always time over task. That's my second thing I wanted to say because of being able to see done. So if you're saying to your child, you know, go, go, go keep, keep picking on math today, but hey, go upstairs and get your math homework done before dinner. Your child's kind of looking around, what does that mean? Like, how long is that gonna take me? They're, they're again, they're unmoored. Sit down for 20 minutes, exactly your point. They might not be done, but they're done with that, that quadrant. They can, see, they can see the horizon, they can see done. And seeing done, you know, I just gave a talk the other day and I always say after I give a talk, like, tell me the thing that resonated with you the most. And it was done, 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 like seeing done. It is so powerful. It's not only powerful to get your child initiated, but to stay the course. And, and that's key. That is like really, really key. Wow. Really helpful. Power of done. It's very powerful. Yeah. Well, it's always fun to have a little something anecdotal. So before we wrap up, do you maybe have a favorite procrastination story from one of your students that you can share with us and our listeners? Yes. It is rare that I have a student and a parent that I coach together, but in this instance, I did. And I had both on the line. It was a Friday afternoon. So I had them both. And this particular child had a assignment, like a, you know, few page paper due. I remember it due, like, uh, I think it was a long weekend. So I think it was due like Monday night. And the first thing the parent said on the phone was, I don't understand. It's Friday. It's Friday afternoon. He's home. Why isn't he working on it? He's procrastinating. He's procrastinating. He's procrastinating. He should be working on it now. Very quietly. Now, granted, this was an older student. He was 16. He turned to his mother on the phone and said, you can yell at me all you want Tuesday at midnight, but not a minute more. This is due Monday at 1159. You can yell at me Tuesday at midnight. And that to me was really powerful to show that message. And sure enough, I checked in with them and she said he got up on Sunday morning, sat down, did not leave his room and powered through. Not how I would do it. I mean, this is the mom talking, but that's how he did it. Turned it in. He wasn't stressed about it. And that goes back again to that whole point of giving your student or child control. Mm-hmm. within the parameters that you, you know, that everyone can live by. That's what worked for him. Starting it three days before or two weeks before just did not work for him. Seeing done or seeing time or seeing the deadline was motivating, activating, and engaging. And I think that's a great, I mean, I could tell you a million stories, but having a child turn to his parents and say, you can yell at me at midnight, but not mm-hmm. before that is, whoa. Well, and what's so powerful about that is he's right. Uh-huh. Technically, <laughs> technically, he wasn't doing anything wrong nope. until midnight, exactly. right? Yes. And I, 
I love that particularly, and I know, Dina, you, I'm, I'm sure you're nodding right now. You know, we talk all the time about knowing your kiddos and knowing them well and recognizing that, like, we can't just expect them to be what we want them to be. We have to lean into who they are. And sometimes you have to parent different kids differently. Sometimes they need different parenting styles. Why wouldn't they have different learning styles? Why wouldn't they have different ways that they engage with a deadline? I agree. I would have written that paper a week before it was due. But not everyone works that way. And the, the point is that it's done. I love that story. I think that's amazing. But it is. And you you hit the nail on your head that I, you know, the population I work with. So everybody learns differently. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, learns differently. They work differently. So I'm all about tapping into your best practices. Everyone comes to the table differently. Some kids need noise. Some kids need quiet. Some kids need to work right up to the deadline. Some need it two weeks beforehand. Some need big, wide, open spaces. Some kids are sensory seeking and bring a pillow into the bathtub and love that. So it all goes back to choice and control. Like I, my mantra is, it is your job as a parent to set the parameter, but it's your child's job to negotiate it. So as much choice that you can give them within your parameters, trust me, that procrastination like crazy will, it won't diminish 100%. We know that. But the more choice, because that's the thing, the control and the choice is what I hear the most from my students. So as much control and choice that I can give or we can give as parents, you'll get a lot back in return. Well, and what an interesting way that would, I would assume, shift the dynamic between parent and child and their relationship as well. Because such a difference, like I'm being yelled at already and I haven't even (laughs) failed at it yet. You know what I mean? Uh As opposed to like a totally different story Tuesday, you know, Tuesday at midnight, like he's right. That's a different story. But the dynamic that must start to build and build and build between parent and child when it's like you're upset with me and I haven't even done anything wrong yet. And how that would shift if you're saying just like Dina and I say all the time, here are the boundaries. Here are those parameters. And then within that, we have a lot of space for how you personally feel about it and what you want to do with that. But we're still, as parents, going to set the boundary. Here are the parameters. I love that. And I think it highlights what you said earlier, Leslie, about it's really not procrastination unless there's some kind of consequence at the back end. And what that student was pointing out is there's no consequence until I didn't turn it in. Bingo. And so it it really brings a lot of clarity to the situation for the parent who might feel stressed and and have some anticipatory anxiety that the work isn't getting done. But really, there isn't that consequence piece unless we hit midnight and no assignment was turned in. So I I think that's a perfect illustration of that principle, too. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Leslie, if people want to find you, because I'm sure people listening are going to want to check out your website and what you offer and maybe even want to work with you. So can you tell us how people can find you? Website, social media, you know, all the things. All the things. We make it super easy. The name of our company is Order Out of Chaos. The website address is orderoochaos.com. And we always tell you, go there. And from there, you can find our programs, our workshops, our webinars, our social feeds, all of that stuff. So go there first, and then that'll be lift off, basically. It's the launch pad. That's the launch pad, exactly. (laughs) Right. Right, right. I love it. Make it easy. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your knowledge and expertise. I mean, I I have to just say personally, I, my kids are really on it. 
And I got so much out of this just to make their lives better, right? Just because they're on top of it doesn't mean they're happy about it. Right. So <laughs> I feel like these are these are just things that I can do for them that will just make them happier as they engage. So I think this is just such an applicable episode to every single human being who has a child. <laughs> I just love it. 100%. Oh, thank you, Kira. Thank you, Zina, for having me. Um, I'm glad you felt that way. Procrastination is big. I think every parent feels it in some way in their house. So I'm, I'm glad to have been of service. Yeah, definitely applicable. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, that was just amazing. I'm so excited. Dina, I, I, I wonder, like, it must have been interesting for you listening because your kids are, you know, like they're on the the old yeah. end of this category. Right. That's fair. And I think I'm a little bit on the back end. But, it, you know, whereas maybe parents with younger kids are like, oh, I have all these takeaways and I'm going to hide the science homework in the closet. But I think what was really powerful for me is even with older is just that perspective shift of like, OK, Dina, you need to chill <laughs> out, you know, calm it down a few notches because He'll get the work done when it works for him and how how some students really do kind of need the deadline to be approaching a little bit more because I was definitely the like way in advance. I think I told the story on the show about my professor who wouldn't give me the syllabus because he knew I would do the whole thing. <laughs> so okay. it was like, um, I know you'll have this done by Thanksgiving and the semester goes until Christmas. So we I'm going to just tell you what's due each week and let you kind of work from there. So for me, I think I can feel that kind of getting worked up sensation about even my high school or, or you know, at, at any point, I think even when my kids were younger. So for me, that perspective shift, shift was really a helpful takeaway. Right. I agree with you because, and the other thing too, to note, and I said, I say this to parents all the time is if you are seeing that your child isn't following through, that goes back to the why question that goes back to the I spy. What isn't, what is getting in your child's way? What don't they understand? Because procrastination, and I didn't say this, but procrastination is not usually the cause. There's always something behind it that feeds the procrastination. So is it understanding what you have to do? Is it distractions? Is it your, you know, your emotions even? Is it uh, time management or organizing or any of those things? So that's the why behind the the what. You have to Mm -hmm. figure out that why. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Leslie. We so appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, ladies, for having me. You ask great questions. Oh, thank you. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did this week's episode of Math in the Bath. (laughs) And... And do be sure to check out uh, Leslie's website, Order Out of Chaos, orderoochaos.com. Yeah, she has lots of amazing stuff on there. We will be back next week with another episode, and we are just so grateful that you were with us today. Don't forget to follow us on social media. If you haven't already, we are at Future Focused Parenting. You can always visit our website for more, futurefocusedparenting.com. And if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please hit that subscribe button. Then you'll get these episodes right in your platform, whatever you listen to right away and you'll never miss one. And don't forget, if you have not yet left us a nice five-star review, we are always grateful for those and we pop them up on our social media, on our stories um, to say thank you. So if you haven't done that yet, we are so grateful for the 107 of you who have already written something for us. We'll be back next week and thank you so much for being with us today. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in my laundry room and partially in Dina's coat closet. Editing by Allison Preisinger, music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.